I feel like we've been going strong for a little while here, and I was like, oh, shit, like, we're probably going to get to, like, a good hour. And I feel like we've gotten well over an hour since we caught our third wind after those it long economics wins. discussions. We talked about economics. Yeah. What you don't know, yeah. because it will not go in, yeah. is that we talked about economics for the best part yeah, of, like, I think we're going to start this one with... Uh, what are you thinking about when you moved to LA and then go Yeah, from I think there. that's a good yeah. way to start it, honestly. Because yeah. the rest of it was just, I, like, obviously, I'm in a fucking mood. You know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, obviously a little bit pissed off and talking yeah. about the economy. Yeah. Nah, fuck it. Who wants to know? No one wants to talk about that. Quentin Tarantino and his. We'll talk about. King of Kong. Great documentary. <laughs> I just watched it the other day. Awesome. Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. Hey, there's, there's been canceled screen. now. Hey, there's a kill screen over here. Oh, yeah, that dude. <laughs> uh, Billy Mitchell's been canceled, by the way. Really? Yeah, he's been canceled because it turns out all his scores were faked. What does that mean? He used a... Because, um, you know, he sent in a bunch of video scores. Uh-huh. Like, videotaped versions of him getting i didn't know that i don't remember the movie that it, well yeah, yeah yeah in the movie it's like the, this lovely so he dude did it like in his garage this like teacher dude is like you know he he videotapes himself um beating billy mitchell's score and then yeah billy mitchell's like well i mean that means nothing he could have faked it so he better go and do it at like FunCon or whatever the fuck that's right yeah and then so this lovely teacher dude travels all the way to FunCon. billy mitchell doesn't turn up but when he beats the score at FunCon, billy mitchell sends in a tape of him getting even higher right and that eventually becomes the guinness world record but it turns out like as of last year people figured out that um those tapes were um played on a rigged machine wow yeah so steve weeby now owns all the top scores in donkey kong i looked this up because uh that movie relaxer joel petrikas oh yeah i haven't seen it yet yeah it goes into that stuff a little bit that's a good movie i can't wait for it yeah can i can i can i do it while while you're on your phone doing god knows what looking up catfish or whatever Uh Let me uh, let me give a little plug for the movie Relaxer yeah. by Joe Petrikas. I liked it a lot. One of our top listeners, same one I mentioned that is not Joe Petrikas. To... Yeah, Joel Petrikas, big friend of ours. No, oh. uh, one of the what the same listen Robert. Robert, he's a he's a Joel Petrikas fan, I believe. Oh, is he good? Well, or maybe he's not a Joel Petrikas fan, but he's at least seen the movies, which he's is more than them. most people can say. And so he's seen d- both of them, which is more than I can say. He saw what's it he's called? He's done Gorilla? like four of them. I mean. Well, no, Ape is Ape. Ape is the first. He's seen Ape and Buzzard at the very least because I remember okay. we talked about that. Ape is about a stand-up comic who kind of like gets possessed by himself, and then Buzzard is Buzzard. I love Buzzard. I don't know about you. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was in my. I think it was in. It, it was definitely it in made my your top, top 20. ten. All right, yeah. Uh, but I don't remember what position it was. Maybe like six or seven. Mm. Buzz. I love Buzzard. Buzzard is about basically a dude. It's the same guy who's in Relaxer um, and Ape. Yeah. There's a dude who uh, kind of exists by scamming the system very, very mildly. In the most petty ways possible. In like very petty ways. So he'll open a bank account just for the bonus offer and then close it as soon as it ends. Yeah, I loved Buzzard. Great opening scene. And then, uh, you know, he's got some shitty temp job and he's just like milking them for all they're worth. He's uh, ordering stuff on the company account and then returning it to a fucking Staples or whatever. Yeah. And then he gets, but it gets kind of weirdly surreal towards the end. Like you yeah. don't quite know what's real and what's not. Really, really great movie. It's very it, understated, yeah. very real 
like characters the characters like the guy i think it's played a, by a major major fucking thing happens in it like there's like a it, there's a big turn that the movie the takes yeah yeah, with the, yeah 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 and the way it's played is like because it's it's such a big event that you're like what the fuck yeah like this is this is it gonna jump turn. the shark but now? the way yeah. it's played is like so beautiful and like painful and realistic and like but really like in the same way i know you don't like him but one of the things i really like about um even if i don't like his movies as a whole one of the things i've always really liked about jeremy saulnier's movies the guy who directed green yeah, Ruin and blue, blue ruin, blue ruin yeah. is that whenever he puts violence in his movies it's, it's always, always quite it's subdued. extremely realistic yeah. in that it's not very cool looking and like people yeah, fumble yeah. and yeah no, it's, and it's the same with that scene yeah. buzzard but uh the thing with buzzard is that you don't quite like it seems almost like a shark drunk moment a yeah. shark shark jump moments so. yeah uh but then what it what it does afterwards is even more interesting because yeah you're kind of left to wonder a little bit but um yeah. so buzzard i really liked I, that really interested me i mean it's literally got a i think close to five minute straight scene of someone eating spaghetti you know is that true i don't even remember that yeah it's a bit where he ends up in a hotel and he orders room service and he just eats spaghetti it's like a long unbroken shot of him like devouring this fucking plate of spaghetti. <laughs> and it sounds boring as fuck, but when yeah. you're in the middle of that movie, you're just like, what is this guy going to do next? It's a great movie. <laughs> We're getting into some real... You guys don't. You guys might criticize us for not talking about things we like enough, but let me tell you, if you want to oh, get really... Since, if you want to get real earnest on some shit that I love, it's always the mark of a great movie when it can completely re uh, recalibrate your attention span right with its pacing yeah so where something like you know this guy eating spaghetti it is like a great scene and you're like oh shit and it's a like a great scene that you admittedly don't remember but well no i do now <laughs> that you said it because yeah he's sitting on the bed yeah right? yeah he's, he's in the, the hotel room like eating spaghetti yeah, yeah. and like it's the first but there are other scenes like he spent that the like, entire movie eating like shit he's like max basically yeah he's yeah like, joel petrikos is Max's me if i was a con animal. artist yeah yeah, because every movie he does, he's, he's about a lot of weird, attention. Yeah, a lot of attention paid to like shitty sodas and fast yeah. foods. But uh, this guy, yeah, it, but there, I, are, I don't know the the way they pulled that off. I was like, fuck, man, that's good. Yeah, so like a scene like that, where in the middle of this, I mean, the movie's slow paced in a sense, but it always it kind of jumps around quite quickly in terms of what's happening in time. It, it's not like a, I wouldn't say it was slow, but then you have a scene where he's literally just sitting in bed. He's ordered room service and he starts eating the spaghetti plate kind of grossly, you know, gr- yeah. he's like shoveling it in. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, all right. So he's eating that. All right. This has been going on for about 30 seconds. All right. <laughs> One minute. And you can like kind of hear the TV he's watching, but you can't yeah. see it. And he's just sitting there eating this fucking spaghetti. All right, it's two minutes now. How long? And it kind of gets annoying, and then it becomes funny, and then it gets annoying again, and then it becomes funny again. Yeah. And then by the end of it, you're just like, that's fucking like yeah. The idea that someone put that in a movie is really fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I like this guy. So he, he made another movie after Buzzard called The Alchemist Cookbook, which doesn't have that dude in it. Because this dude who's in his movies, yeah, uh, his name is Joshua Burge, I think. Yeah. And he's... Uh, apparently not really an actor like he, he's more of a musician than an actor makes but sense. I, I think this guy just makes he's from michigan and he makes all his movies in michigan with like his friends yeah he doesn't really definitely he's as close to like guerrilla filmmaking as you can find now right it's indie filmmaking but it's definitely not with any intention of 
joining any kind of clique or anything like that. Yeah. Very, very unique movies. And um, this guy is not really an actor, but he's got one of the most interesting faces that oh, yeah. <laughs> you've ever seen. He looks a bit like um, Buster Keaton. Oh, yeah, that's a great observation. He does look he like He looks a bit Buster like Buster Keaton. Keaton. He's got that long, gaunt face. A very long, yeah, gaunt face with like, these kind of weird yeah. big eyes. He looks like a chameleon. He literally yeah. looks like a chameleon and... I mean, like, attractive-ish, but also, like, kind of grotesquely attractive, I guess you would right. say. Looks a bit like David Dickens, too, I'll have you know. He's fascinating looking, for sure. Fascinating. So, like, David you can, like, watch his... more handsome than him, but... Right, but like, you look in these in these movies, you're just watching this mm-hmm. guy's face. Yeah. You know, quite often, the shots are just of his face, and it's, and it's really, really an expressive face that you don't see quite, you don't see very often in, you know, with actors in Hollywood movies or in even independent movies that are trying to be Hollywood movies or whatever, actors are always acting. So, and you can really, really see that. With this guy, it looks like you're looking at a real person. I, I know that sounds douchey. Like that sounds no, like... I, no, I know what you're saying. But you, do you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't feel like you're watching someone perform. It feels much more like you're looking at a real character. Yeah. You know, so I really like that about it. And then Relaxer is this new movie has come out with, which I think is probably his highest profile movie. Interesting. It did well at the festivals and stuff. And I mean, it hasn't, obviously these movies never really get much of a theatrical release. I'm sure it's screening some places, but uh, you can get it on VOD now. And um, the entire movie is predicated on the same dude, the guy from Buzzard and Ape, uh, Joshua Burge. Uh He's... He's kind of being dared by his bully brother. He's got this brother who's just an asshole who's constantly uh, berating him and saying that he's never going to make anything of his life. So he's been dared by his brother to complete an impossible feat in uh, Pac-Man, like to reach a certain level of Pac-Man where uh, you get a kill screen. That's level the premise? Level 256. Yeah, he's been dared to do that. Basically, his brother's... Trying to get him to do something with his life, I guess. Yeah. And he says, right, do that, but you can't leave this couch. You got to keep the. Okay, don't. The Tom, that... Okay, well, I won't yeah, spoil yeah. it. He has to do that by the. Yeah. By Y2K, right? Okay. So it's set in 1999. And so the entire movie is set in this one shitty, horrible apartment. Yeah. And this guy is sat on the couch in the same spot the entire time and he can't move. That's cool. And he's trying to complete this level on Batman. And you'll see if you if you look it up if you look up relaxer reviews or what, I wouldn't recommend doing that because you will get some spoilers I won't do yeah. that but a lot of them the titles are like relaxer maybe the grossest movie of the year or the most oh the really most disgusting movie it's like repulsive yeah, yeah. and and I was kind of thinking all right that sounds hyperbolic or whatever uh, but I watched it with my wife and we were both like Ugh. really is really gross yeah I, I need to shower yeah. i had to take a shower after watching it. oh i'm excited it is really really like there are bits in it which will feel slightly unsatisfying or feel like oh that's a bit of a weird turn or um did they run out of ideas or whatever but later like it took me about a day and then the day because at first i was like uh oh, buzzard's better or oh, apes better but the day after i was like i'm thinking about it constantly like, yeah. It's a really, really viscerally gross, fucking repugnant movie, and I, I think the thing that's interesting I, again, I don't know. This sounds like a movie review podcast. I don't know if I'm going to put all this in, but it is now. Yeah, now it's the movie review podcast. The bonus up, up. I'm like pretty far in on my drinks here, so I might be like gushing with praise a little bit. But the thing that I like about Joel Petrakis as the director is the the stories that he has are always really, really bland, but they're they're like sort of. 
they, they tread a weird line between being aspirational for kind of slacker types. Like I'm essentially, at my heart, I'm a kind of slacker type myself. Yeah. There's nothing. And I was even saying to my wife early on in Relaxer, I was like, you know, as gross as this may seem, there's nothing better than sitting at home all day playing video games and eating fast food. Like, right. With nothing to worry about. Like, that's actually well, a you pretty nice. Tell me, yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty great thing. And then it takes something kind of aspirational like that. And the same with Buzzard. It's like you could look at it and be like, wow, this guy's just getting by by, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> like it's, yeah. getting something out of the trash at McDonald's and then sending it back and getting a, a, a new one. Right. You know, yeah. like, and you kind of go, wow, that's awesome. But it always takes it to its like most extreme logical conclusion. Yeah. So then by the end of it, you're like, there's nothing more that you would hate. I mean, I was watching Relaxer, and I'm not even going to lie. My wife was like on the verge of giving birth at this point. There was a part of me that was like, God, it would be great to be back there. <laughs> There's a part of me where I was like, it would be great to be just able to sit at home all day and play video games and eat shitty food and not yeah. have anyone complain. Yeah. You know? And then by the end of it, I was like... I love you, baby. I'm so glad we're having this kid. I'm so glad we have this life together and we have a family. It really, it's amazing how he does that. And I don't think he's even intended. He's not particularly pretentious, this guy. I don't think he's claiming to really do that, but it really works. Yeah. And then that kind of brings me on to the other guy that we were getting close to talking about, um, Rick Alverson, who does simply, I mean, I think Joe Petrakis cites the comedy as an influence on Buzzard and... That's interesting. Yeah, and, I, and you can see why, because they, they operate in similar kind of arenas where with Rick Alveson, the comedy is a movie. It's not his first movie, but it's the first one that got a lot of attention, and um, it's got Tim Tim and Eric in it. So Tim and Eric. Yeah. And, Tim. and the guy from uh, LCD Sounds. Yeah, randomly. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's got comedians in it. It's called The Comedy, but it's one of the least funny films you're, you're likely to see. If, you, if you're it's, thinking of putting it in front of like, your friends. That one with you. Yeah, that it's pretty one miserable. Is, that one will leave a bad fucking taste in your mouth. And that movie's, yeah. I mean, almost, as far as I understand it, almost entirely improvised kind of set pieces. Yeah. That just revolve around this dude who's like a trust fund kid. And he's waiting for his, he's essentially waiting for his dad to die so he'll just have money. And But he's got no purpose. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the bit that we'll probably cut out about economics. But yeah, yeah he has no purpose and he has no real meaning to his life. And he's, and he's also fundamentally incapable of connecting with it, it it's set in brooklyn so it's set with all these hipsters basically which well, like he's deeply irony poisoned yeah that yeah. irony poison right that's yeah. pretty much exactly how i describe it as someone who you know it's not that he has no friends it's not he's a total loner but his friends are just people who exist in this constant irony battle essentially yeah. where they're, they're each trying to one-up each other on how weird they are or how zany or how edgy they can be yeah but there's no real communication between them. I mean, in the entire movie, there's very little communication, actual communication between him and anyone, including yeah. his dad, who's like, I think, comatose. Yeah. And uh, the, the closest you get is when he, he meets some kid at the end, yeah. like some child at the end, and he's basically playing with the child, and you realize, yeah, he's essentially a child. Yeah. But he, and and he he's like, and he's, he's, he's like, yeah, that irony poisoning thing. I mean, it's like, it's amazing because he's like, He's definitely cruel, but in a, yeah. like you said, in a sort of callous, childlike way. He's cruel. In, I mean, in, when I first watched it, he reminded me more of like a like a cat. 
You know, like if you yeah. let's say you fall down, you're having a heart attack in front of a cat. The cat's not gonna like rush to help you. Right. It's gonna kind of look at you confused, yeah. and it's gonna kind of study you. And there is, I mean, not to spoil it. Yeah, don't, 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 don't yeah. But there is a scene later on which is very similar to that. Yeah. And I think that I think it's a fucking great movie. I really love it. It really. Is. I really love it. it really and it is. didn't get. It was very polarized reviews. Like some people thought it was self indulgent or boring. I, I don't. I don't see how personally that's insane i think especially yeah. for tim heidecker and tim and eric to because eric's in it a little bit too um to do that movie is actually a very very bold step out and one that unfortunately they haven't followed up on but i remember um, i remember seeing that movie and it was uh i saw it sort of at the time when i was very into comedy and i was sort of on this like thinking a lot about comedy and I was especially into sort of alt comedy and there was something about alt comedy that was like progressively leaving more and more of a bitter taste in my mouth. Right. Right. And the, that movie yeah, like really nailed it. How like right. too much irony and look, I'm someone who does tons of bits all the time or whatever, but yeah. it's like too much irony is such a like toxic and isolating thing isolating is the main word yeah yeah and yeah. that's what you really get a hint of in the yeah. movie is the he, he's he's got these friends you know mm-hmm. he's got these people who he hangs around with and he's one of the more popular ones among them but he's completely he's not getting something like he's having to deal with a real life situation which is emotional and which is complicated and which is you know his, his dad's dying that's not a spoiler yeah. that's right at the beginning uh, his dad's dying and he's got the sister and he's and he's kind of got no he's in his 30s he's got no real direction he's he's kind of had a, yeah. everything handed to him and all he, and he can't even you know he never once mentions to any of his friends that his dad's dying or anything like that he's got this complete block he's got people he hangs out with but it's all hidden behind several layers of being ironic there's a great scene later on in the movie where eric wareheim is showing like slides and it's a very funny scene in a weird way he's showing slides like i guess they're all high or drunk or whatever in an apartment he's just showing slides of like his family history Mm -hmm. so he's showing photos of him when he's a kid and he's kind of getting teared up but then in between some of the slides there's just random porn right yeah and he just doesn't mention it and then carries on. Yeah. And like he's doing like a long bit, but you can tell that he's also getting he's he's like yeah. accessing the emotion. He can't access emotion without the irony. Yeah, but he removal. has to have something there to subvert it. Yeah. It's a fucking great movie. The more I mean, even talking about it now, I'm like, this is a really, really good movie, and I wish it got more attention. Especially for Tim and I was trying to say this earlier, especially yeah. for Tim and Eric to do it, because let's face it, the vast majority of their fan base, if not their entire social circle, are kind of like these people oh, i mean like yeah. the alt comedy scene in la that tim and eric to be fair kind of spawned like they they kind of helped it come along anyway oh yeah in la especially yeah yeah and uh th- and they were in this movie which is essentially excoriating that kind of attitude right and that kind of uh yeah so it's a really really interesting well movie. and one thing and another and thing, entertainment well, another amazing like through line of the movie is the way alt comedy which Something that also I hate about alt comedy, which is that it positions itself as, uh, you know, being very conscious and very sort of uh, smarter and better and more morally upright than other forms of comedy. Are you talking about the scene of the black guys? All of it. I mean, everything throughout the movie, the way he... The taxi bit. The taxi bit, like, it, it shows how, like, these allegedly, like, smart, conscious, alternative people 
are existing in this extremely privileged bubble. And yeah. when it comes down to how they in actually interact with people and yeah. the people below them, especially uh -huh. like in social stratus economically or racially or whatever, in, right. in their, the way they perceive it, like they are callous as all hell toward anyone who is like in the service. It's not them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean like, yeah. yeah, anyone who is actually working for a living is like there's nothing funnier to an alt comedian than working for a living, right? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like there's nothing like whoa, we got away with it. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing yeah, funnier yeah, yeah. to an alt comedian than like oh my god, this guy's a fucking, this guy's a garbage man, or this guy's a taxi driver, or this but, guy's a nurse. But you know something what I mean? that's worth mentioning about yeah. this film is that in the movie, none of them are comedians, as far as we no. know. I mean, as no. far as we know, they don't do anything. Right. As far as we know, they're just people who live in Brooklyn. Yeah. And may, I'm sure some of them may be comedians, but yeah. like, it's never explained. They, they, they're just kind of avatars for this. But the casting draws real-world yeah. implications that are uh, I definitely, I, I yeah. definitely think so. And I think it yeah. was very important, especially for me to see it, because I saw it probably when I was 22 or 23, maybe. And, it must uh, have been about the same age. I saw it the year it came out. Right, yeah, yeah so. and and I thought, you know, I, at this point, I was sort of, um, I was, I was a little bit into comedy. I, I did like a lot of stand up. I mean, open mic. Yeah. I never got big, but like, <laughs> obviously, if yeah. I did, I wouldn't be on this. But um, I, I did a bunch of open mic stuff, and I was very into comedy. As you know, there's, there's this thing among comedians where like the comedy in and of itself is like is the the mecca, right? That's that's yeah. all you're attaining, right? You, that's all you need to aspire towards is the comedy and the the community of comedians and stuff like that and i found myself very quickly kind of hating all of that i didn't mm -hmm. really like comedians that much and i didn't like the attitudes that they had and i mean they were essentially this, in la anyway they were essentially the same as actors or yeah same as musicians you know many of them would stab all of they would oh, burn yeah. all their material and stab all their friends to become yeah. an actor it's not a friendly community and no. like, if yeah. you go to any open mic with actual open micers and you even you hear them all talking about how someone got something that they shouldn't have and they're all bitter about it and they're all pissed off oh like, yeah about they, someone yeah. else's success and then when you go to the actual comedy store and you hear the actual pros you know you can hear like fucking craig uh, craig robinson and fucking Bill Burr bitching about someone who got something. I mean, yeah. like it, it's insane. Yeah, it never ends. So it's not necessarily a good community. But watching that movies, uh, sorry, watching that movie, I definitely it was very painful to watch in a way because there were a few scenes which I recognized in myself. Absolutely. Like bits with this. Essentially, I think Tim Heidek is the main character, and I think he's in virtually every scene. And uh, there's a bit where. Well, there's a bit where he's talking to his sister about his dying dad, and he just cannot engage with her on any kind of meaningful level at all. Yeah, I think he's just singing like he's just making like slave jokes and yeah stuff like that. And then there's another bit. Um, there's a bit where at a party he's trying to get laid, and he's talking to some girl, and he's like very casually talking about Hitler being a great guy and yeah he's like, just trying, to, be trying edgy. to like fuck with people yeah and, trying to fuck yeah. with people and trying to be edgy and I'm like Fuck. like yeah. that Hitler bit sounds good yeah you know exactly. I'm like <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I, that's the kind of thing I would fucking do yeah exactly so it's a really really painful movie to watch and I think maybe that might account for some of the polarizing reviews as well I think some people might be like well no we're awesome like don't like, <laughs> you're making it seem like we suck all the critics who disliked <laughs> it happened to live in Brooklyn <laughs> yeah right I mean I think that is a part of it yeah. where they're just like well, like, well, this is cool. What's wrong with yeah, it? You're, yeah. you're making it seem sad. Why is it sad <laughs> that we're we're like awesome and we're using irony to communicate our fucking frustrations yeah. or blah blah blah? It's like, yeah, no, because it's not you. You're not communicating your frustrations. You're yeah. hiding from them. You know, you're, you're fucking hiding from it. 
Um, so Rick Alveson, very interesting director as well. Him and Joe yeah. Petrakis are two of the only directors I would actually, if I heard they had a new movie, I would fucking go to see it. I well, mean, there's a third one for me too that I feel like these are all people who make these like just deeply humanistic, personal, small movies that not humanistic in an uplifting way, but just really no, but in a way like like, human focused, very and very yeah. little pretension. And one of them happens to be one of the three that I would put in that group that happens to be extremely critically acclaimed is old. What's his nuts? Oh, what's his name? Sean Baker. Is that his name? Oh, Sean Baker. I love him. Yeah. I mean, The Florida Project was Florida Project my favorite movie fantastic. of last year. Great movie. I mean, and like just the absolute lack of artifice in those movies. That's the main thing. The, yeah. Yeah. The, the, like, if you look at, if I explained what The Florida Project is about to you on paper, you would think, and, I, and especially if I told you it went up for an Oscar, I think it got some Oscar recognition. There you go. I think screenplay nomination. Yeah. yeah. Like, you would be like, that sounds like the schmaltziest fucking mm. shittiest movie. I was worried about it, yeah. honestly. When Me I heard too. about I mean, it, because I was the, like... That's how it was marketed. Like, well, the poster. It sounded like, yeah. ki- you know, kid whimsy. I thought yeah. it was going to be something like Captain Fantastic or Little Miss Sunshine. Well, the poster looks like Beasts of the Southern wild oh, that too you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah, a yeah. girl running with like right. a fucking right. thing and yeah. you have to sell it you have, to sell, you have to sell it exactly. somehow you yeah. know so like i mean but the thing the thing so like tangerine let's go back with no, another Baker. fantastic movie yeah. so let's go back with him let's go back to tangerine which is the first movie that i think really put him on he was involved in some other stuff beforehand he was involved in some tv show i forget what it's called He's directed uh, movies before Greg Sandrine the Bunny. Too. Yeah, Greg the he Bunny. He was not involved in Greg yeah. the Bunny. I actually liked that. I think show he was one of the uh, he was one of the creators of it. I, I think. loved Greg the Bunny. Yeah, but then he just decided he's doing these movies. So Tangerine was a movie that came out, and it, I think it came out in 2015 or 2016, mm-hmm. and it was billed as shot on iPhones and about transgender people. Right, and I was thinking, oh my fucking god, you know, yeah. like this is going to be the most pandering gimmicky yeah. shit ever yeah if, if someone comes out and it says it was entirely shot on iphones right i'm instantly like we oh, learned why? our lesson with escape from tomorrow's press package right was like, you it's know, all like, shot in disney parks yeah, yeah yeah you know and like the, the the other thing about that is it's like well it sounds like that's how you're selling it do you exactly. not have anything else to sell it on yeah. do you not have like a story or anything so all i'd heard about it was has trans people shot on iphones and i'm like what well, that sounds gimmicky enough to get into festivals but then someone I trust saw it and said, you know what? It's actually really fucking good. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, really? Is it? So I watched it and sure enough, I fucking laughed mm. my ass off. It was fucking funny. Trans- it's funny uh, and it's sad and it's yeah. like just good. And Tangerine it's- is a fucking brilliant. And yeah. you know what? It's not, it's not improvised. It's actually scripted. You can I find believe it, that. You can, uh, it sounds However, fucking, it sounds so improvised, but you can look at the script online. It's almost word for word. That's interesting. It's I wonder, very interesting. That's not yeah. like a that's not a retroscript. I would be surprised if who would bother typing up a retroscript for Tangerine. I don't know. No, no, but I think I it's know the actual script. I mean, I, like there are minor. It was probably yeah, but, yeah, maybe scripted on at during the shooting process because I know it was at least partially devised because um, the two characters are actually they're genuine. They're not prostitutes. No, they're not prostitutes. They weren't prostitutes. But they were okay. they're actresses, but they're trans actresses. They actually live in that area. Maybe they have some a shady past or something. It seemed like they were very, very. They were extremely at least familiar authentic. With those they're extremely authentic, and like Amy Nicholson has interviewed them, and she says they are indistinguishable from their characters in the movie. That's kind of what yeah. I expected, but it, it, that's why it surprised me so much to see a script that's pretty 
like even phonetically quite similar right, to yeah. but i mean maybe maybe it is a retroscript I don't or know. it was scripted on the fly as as happens often in devising processes where possibly or possibly. like they interview the actresses or like he meets the actresses and possibly. like i'll make a movie with you same thing with the florida project non-professional yeah. actor well yeah. Uh, yeah okay so like well stay on tangerine for a second so tangerine yeah. is a, if you haven't seen it as a movie about two trans transvestite or well, in the process of becoming no, transgender. transgender, they're transgender. No, yeah. but they're in the process. That's, okay, they make sure. a big deal about the like doing the hormones and getting the implants yeah. and stuff like that. So, and they make a big deal about. Uh, I mean, one of the, one of the one of the prostitutes is very angry that her pimp has started fucking a a real woman. They call which they call a fish. A fish, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and it, so up. so that so they make a point about that and like how they yeah. kind of like eh, well we're not quite and then that taxi driver's. I mean, it's a really fucking funny movie, and it has such great characters in it. And it so uh, sorry to explain what the plot is. If you haven't seen it, it's essentially about two transvestite slash transgender prostitutes on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood around Christmas time. Right? It's like mm-hmm. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It's a Christmas Day. movie. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah, <laughs> like Die Hard. Yeah, and uh, it's really, really fucking funny because at first it's a little bit jarring because it obviously is shot on iPhones. Like it's mm-hmm. the, the camera work is odd. It's unusual, and it, you can yeah. tell the frame rate's a little un, uh, not. Uh, it's kind of uncommon, and it does seem a little bit amateurish at first. Like the first scene, I was like, "Oh god!" But as it goes on, you get so wrapped up in these fucking characters who are so magnetic. Especially, I forget her name, but like the 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 shorter one, the thin, the thinner mm-hmm. one, the more feisty one. Yes, the I, I forget her name. I don't remember any of the characters' names to be honest. It's yeah. so fucking funny. Like, oh my god! Naturally, yeah. really fucking funny. And it's all, it's, it's kind of like very, it's almost farcical. Like there's this kind of fast going on. Because it's fast paced. and It's like, very fast yeah. paced and there's like a lot of drama very quickly and like families come out. And that scene at the donut, it all sort of revolves around this mm-hmm. donut shop. Yeah. Sadly closed down recently. I, I drove past it. It was, was a donut friend, right? Donut, no, donut time. Donut time. There yeah. You. And it, sadly it's closed down now, but... And, you know, by the end of it, it's almost like a Shakespearean comedy. It's got yeah. every person ends up in this central place and yeah. they're all yelling at each other. And it's fucking hilarious and very, very human. Like, mm-hmm. even though it is kind of stylized and it is kind of, it's very fast paced and stuff, at no point do you not believe any of them are real people or yeah. that they're acting even. Again, it's yeah. kind of like what I said with Joe Petrikas. It's like, it, it seems like genuine people. And then he did the Florida Project, and again, I was kind of worried because the marketing seemed like, oh, it sounds like he's doing something about the magic of childhood or like child whimsy and stuff like that. Like kind of Beasts of the Sovereign Wild was a little bit like that. Yeah. It, where it was like, oh, but you know, being a kid is fucking Beasts of the Southern Wild wasn't an awful movie, but it's like... It was it's, fine, it's, but... Its low points are like... Its uh, maudlin moments are really glaring, and I thought this was going to be a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew that he got uh, he got some star power for it, which he hadn't done before. So he had Willem Dafoe in it. Yeah, but uh, sure enough, when I saw it, Willem Dafoe is playing a, a fairly major character, but he's playing it for for a a list actor. Yeah, he he's playing it role, with yeah. such like restraint. I, I guess I would say he's not mm-hmm. trying to steal the scenes. He's not trying to get Oscars. He is playing it really, really. Ca- and you can totally believe that he is because he's a manager of like some. Like a uh, shitty, essentially, a, a really, yeah. a really bad motel that essentially is like almost like a home for a meadows. Yeah. yeah, it's more like an apartment complex for 
kind of fuck ups, right? Very low income, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, and like you know, there's a lot of drugs and probably no stuff. income for many of them. It's just well, like, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's implied that he's letting them go on rent quite often. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. like on their side, but also kind of hard ass on them. Yeah, and uh, but then you've also got the, the central uh, characters, I guess, is this little six year old girl, seven year old girl, and uh, her mom. And her mom, I get the actress playing her was, uh, I guess, was an actual stripper or an actual pole mm-hmm. dancer in Florida. Yeah. And uh, so you get very again God, how very did she genuine not get performances. Fucking nominated for an Oscar for that. She Dude, that is whole movie, so fucking good in that movie. That movie was so much better than anything that year. I mean, yeah. what year what was this? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I think it was twenty eighteen awards. Yeah. What one? Who even remembers? I mean, I the don't Imitation know. Game. Fuck no! I, hope <laughs> I just not. always think it's the <laughs> best director is always Morton Tildum in every in every Oscars. <laughs> no, but man, it, sh- it uh, should have fucking won as uh, as much as it could have. It was a really good movie, and uh, yeah, again, just very. You feel like you're watching real people, and you feel like you're getting an actual story, which isn't. There's not again. It's one of those movies where there's not much of a plot to it. It's no. not like oh, and then this happens. And, and Florida Project in particular is kind of long. I think it's like over two hours long. Is it? It doesn't feel it like doesn't it. Feel long, it, feels it, is, it. It doesn't feel long, but it is. It feels um, slow in a good way. Well, it feels it like feels you're actually confident. seeing. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a cliche to say slice of life, right? But right, that's what it feels like. It feels like you're just seeing people exist in these circumstances, and often in these circumstances, nothing extreme happens all the time. You know, nothing. Hardly. There no. I mean, if if you were to put it in someone else's hands there would be something very major happens within the first third, you know, the first act. Right. And then the rest of it is kind of fixing that or a knock-on from that. No, in this film, really, for the first two acts nearly, very little happens. And then yeah. there's there's like a little bit of drama towards the end, but yeah, it all feels... Like, and the nice thing about it is it goes in a sequence as such that unlike a lot of, you know, typical three-act structure movies... Um, it is very much a cumulative effect of these small scenes to where by the end of it, it's like, it's very satisfying, even though sort of the, the climax that ends the movie is something yeah. that was only as, Oh no, not that, not that very last oh, shot. Okay, I know, right. but I like have a problem with the last minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not talking about that, but like the, uh, the climax that ends the movie more or less is the, uh, conclusion of something that, Though it germinated from the very beginning of the movie, oh, it's a decision that she made only like 20 minutes ago in terms of runtime. Right. So it doesn't yeah, have yeah. that like three-act structure. And people make these big decisions and they do tons of things wrong. And like the characters are very flawed and constantly in their own way and stuff But they're like not that. unlikable. They're you know, not unlikable at all. Quite often movies are very, especially if, if, you, if you're trying to get anywhere, you have to make your movie kind of moralistic. So if you yeah. show an unpleasant action or you show... Yeah. Uh, you know, someone being morally a bit ambiguous, you have to condemn it somehow. Or you, you, as right. a movie maker, have to show that when you were writing the script, you knew it was wrong and that you're going to punish them for it. Kind of, it's like morality tales. Yeah, that's honestly what a lot of movies do. Or now. if they're you going can't to just do let something, something right. go. Yeah, you can't just let something go unpunished. Or if they're going to do something wrong, they need to. There needs to be a scene where they're really grappling with it. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in and the thing I love uh, without getting into spoilers, like I know thing, what you're going to mention and I think it is a spoiler, so I wouldn't No, no, no. I'm just I'm just going to say that like the main character of the movie mm-hmm. um she does a lot of things wrong. Well, let's put it, she's as you would expect. Yeah. Like she she is about as you would expect from a for someone very who low income have, single for, mom. For someone who had to have made 
the decisions and come from the upbringing that she would have had to be to be where we right. meet her in the movie. Yeah. She doesn't do an unexpected 180 in the decisions she makes. Exactly. Right. Which okay. is good and cool and interesting to yeah. watch and as you, far as writing goes. But the thing goes, is, yeah. by, by presenting it that way, by presenting it in a way which doesn't suddenly admonish her or have her right. grappling with it or anything like that, you actually are able to sympathize more. So even by the end, you could say, well, she's a terrible parent or... You know, she well, she shouldn't have that kid anyway. But you feel genuine sympathy for her because they're presenting her in a way which is actually relatable, which is flawed without the writer constantly interjecting to tell exactly. you that they're we're aware this is bad, you know, yeah. or anything and, like that. And moreover, you're allowed to do it yourself, and that's a good thing about any kind of entertainment, any kind of art, is that you're meant to take things and judge them for yourself, and maybe you'll get satisfied, or maybe you won't. But and also, you could have complex emotions, like yeah, I was rooting for her. I'll just say that. Absolutely, yeah. You're rooting for her the entire time. Absolutely. Even as though she, she was, is consistently doing the wrong thing. She's doing the wrong thing and she's not perfect and certainly she's doing things that you wouldn't... And like severely th- wrong things. Well, like really, really yeah, bad things. Yeah, but, th- but they're also but things, understandable things. Th- that's the thing. Yeah. There are also things that in theory are really wrong. So it's very easy for you to say, not having exactly. ever been in any of those positions, to say, oh, well, that's terrible. You shouldn't yeah. do that, you know. Like, if you're raising a child, why don't you just take them to Chuck E. Cheese every day and yeah, yeah. put them in daycare and get them into baseball games, into Little League at an early age? But then, yeah, but then you watch this film and you're like, well, yeah, what else is she going to fucking do? Yeah. You know, and, so, and, and, so and then you really, that humanizes her to the point where if you, if you have any kind of heart, you can yeah. watch it and kind of still be rooting for her even though she's on the wrong side of... And beyond that, and I don't know if this is, I think this is in large part credit to her performance, but like, not only does she make bad decisions in the movie... Once she makes them, she digs her heels in mm-hmm. and is often unrepentant and doesn't apologize. Like there's yeah. there's a scene uh, can't spoil it because <sighs> it's spoil so it. good. No, but no. I'll just say she gets called out on something yeah. by someone mm-hmm. and she which she's very and this is also when it happens, it's also a revelation to us as audience members that she's yeah. been doing this. Well, not really. And well, yeah, I mean, you could have put it together yeah. probably, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but like her reaction is she's just like, "What the fuck? Shut up! Like, what do you fucking yeah, know?" Right, yeah. stuff like that, as opposed to mm-hmm. actually sort of, um, she never. And yet, even by then, even at the end of everything, and the movie ends in a certain way, but like, you want her to succeed, you want her to get better, yeah, and. I don't know if it's a spoiler to say that she really never does. Well, right? like, the, the absolute ending, I think, is a mistake. I, I think they did something. The, the last was, like one minute? Literally last mm, one minute. I don't agree with that. It's, it's a slight, um, a bit like how you said Escape from Tomorrow was a publicity gimmick. <laughs> There's a little bit of that in the ending of this movie. But what I did, what I can tell you is that, because I, I didn't have a life anything like the Florida Project, you know? Right. Because it is essentially about very low-income oh, yeah. people living in a shitty place near Disneyland. And it's this constant, they don't overstate, I really don't, I like that they don't overstate that there, there is a kind of constant battle between, like, them living literally within spitting distance of the land of dreams and the land of yeah. magic and fairy tale endings and stuff like that, and they're living in this kind of bleak situation and it because physically fucking watch the movie if you haven't jesus christ but physically their their motel is within less than a mile of disney disney world in florida right and uh, i watched so i don't have much experience with growing up like that but my wife does 
So I watched mm-hmm. it again with my wife, and she did grow up in, if not identical, similar circumstances with you know very low income parents and a family that was kind of broken and couldn't really support her that well. And you know it made her, on the one hand, very happy that that movie had been made, but also very sad because it was very realistic. I mean, that that's yeah. testament to how good it is, I think, is that she watched Absolutely, it and didn't yeah. go, oh, that's bullshit. Or like, oh, well, that's not how it happens, or that's not how it works. She watched it and was like, oof, fuck, this is bringing back too much. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a very good movie for that reason. And Tangerine, kind of similar, I think. That was Popcorn Talk, right? Those are some, right. And I, that's I'm, three directing, that's three recommendations for, of three double features. For not, yeah, for not even... It's not even three movie recommendations. These yeah. are three director recommendations. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Entertainment by Rick Alveson, the same guy right. who did the comedy. Right. Entertainment is another great fucking movie. The same director, yeah. So you've got three recommendations of That's three double Joel, features. Joel Petrikas. Buzzard watch, and Relax. Watch Buzzard first. That's my recommendation. Watch okay. Buzzard first if you haven't seen it. And then watch Relaxer. And then watch Ape, because Ape is fun. Go back to Ape. Why go not? back to Ape. If you like Ape, those two. Yeah, go back to Ape after Buzzard and Relaxer. Okay. And then you'll get it. Like you'll fall in, If you see Buzzard and Relaxer, you'll fall in love with the actor. Yeah. The actor's name is Joshua Burge, I think, is how you mm. pronounce it. And he's really fucking good. And then watch Ape. Okay. Rick Alveson. The comedy, watch that first. Yeah. Then watch Entertainment. Now you're moving on to expert level because <laughs> that is a harsh Entertainment movie. is hard going but <laughs> so rewarding. I want to literally talking about it. I want to watch it right now. It's great. I fucking love it. I've got a big poster of it yeah. up in the dining room. I love Entertainment. It's got uh, Neil Hamburger in it essentially. Yeah. So if you know Neil Hamburger, the kind of... If old- you like the hilarious comedy of Neil Hamburger... <laughs> it's not funny. It does technically appear in this movie. <laughs> so if you're, if you're going to watch Entertainment, which I yeah. fucking love. And by the way, if any of you listening are fans of my shows, like shows that I've made, uh, you will watch Entertainment and you will see where some of that came from. Interesting. Because, I mean, especially... as I, I guess technically shows I never ended up making but quite a lot of them were, yeah. were very much predicated on that. because So Entertainment, to explain it quickly, Neil Hamburger is a character, all, like anti-comedian, I guess, played by yeah. Neil, uh, played by Greg Turkington, yeah. who's a very, very smart guy. Uh, he does this alt-comic. Not even, It's not even an alt-comic. What can you call him? He's an anti-comedian. Yeah. He's, he's a bit like Tony Clifton. He's Which I'm sure he would hate. Exactly like I'm Tony sure Clinton. he would hate to hear yeah. that. Very, very funny in his own yes. right. But he's, he's basically playing a failed entertainer, right? Like lounge entertainer, kind of abrasive, very abrasive, extremely too. abrasive. Like one of his jokes yeah. might be like, "What did Santa Claus give to Paris Hilton this Christmas?" Well, he raped her, right? You know, like, it's that kind of stuff. Like, it's very, and, very funny. And part of the stick is performing for audiences that are rather unsuspecting and yeah. dislike him. Well, that's what he used to be, and now yeah. everyone's kind of in on it. But it used to be that Neil Hamburger would turn up, and he's he's got this terrible comb over, yeah. this like greased down comb One over. One of the best, this horrible if not little lounge best suit. stand-up album of all time, Hot, Hot February, February Night. Night. Oh my god! Right. Well, let, let's talk. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. Well, let's, let's talk about the movie. Let's, let's talk about No Hamburger for a second here. Yeah. Let, let's just if you if for whatever yeah. reason don't know No Hamburger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's a comic who he is Greg Turkington, but he comes out in costume and character as this guy called No Hamburger, who's like a failed, like a kind of failing entertainer, like an old school entertainer trying to keep up with 
like modern pop culture references, but sort of failing. And uh, it's very joke punchline type stuff, and the jo- and you'll groan at them. But the thing that the the way that he really excelled was by specifically performing for crowds that didn't know who he was and like yeah. didn't weren't in on it. You know, they didn't know it was a character and they didn't know it was a joke. So he'd perform for crowds deliberately and, yeah. that he knew would hate them. Yeah. So it, it knew would hate him. Sorry. So he went on a tour with Tenacious D. He was friends with um, Jack Black. So they took him on tour with them. So you have a bunch of Tenacious D fans in the audience. If you don't know a Tenacious D fan, more often than not, they're going to be like classic rock fans who like a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Right? So Led Zeppelin fans. And he'd go out there on support and they're waiting for Tenacious D to come out and they've instead got They don't guy. even want to see a comedian at no, all. No, they don't want to see a comedian at all, but they got yeah. this guy coming out and not only is he a kind of like deliberately shit comedian, but he's also, he's saying things like, why did Al-Qaeda burn a thousand copies of the, uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album in the public square? <laughs> and they were booing just at the yeah. premise. Yeah. <laughs> they're like pissed off at the premise and then he goes... Well, because it's a terrible album. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all like, ah! And he recorded this entire set, him opening for Tenacious D at like Madison Square Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he recorded it and uh, released it as Hot Fred. faking them out on bringing out the... uh, (laughs) He goes, all right, one last joke. If you guys applaud at this one last joke, then Then I'll bring out Tenacious D. D. And then they applaud and he goes, all right, I'll do an encore. (laughs) (laughs) He's also like, and now here's the moment you've all been waiting for. Tenacious D's curtain. Yeah, yeah. And then he starts <laughs> he describing the curtain. And he's deliberately fucking making them angry. And you can hear in the audience like some guys just going like, No! <laughs> no! <laughs> absolutely it's the absolutely best comedy. Like Greg one of the Turkington. best stand-up comedy albums of and all time. And also if you like if you really want to get into it, watch it on cinema. Yeah. With him and Greg Turkins. <laughs> I'm just is, promoting everything this I is, love. This dude, is now like, a promotion within a promotion within a promotion. Uh, anyway, entertainment. Very. <laughs> you're not going to be having a, film, a lot of laughs with that one. <laughs> not a funny film. Like, I mean, it is in its own way. But yeah, yeah it's a film where they've essentially borrowed the character of Neil Hamburger. Mm-hmm. But he's not. It's not like, I, I, you know, what I was expecting was it for, for it to be the character of Neil Hamburger being depressed on tour. Right, but what it actually is is more similar to Greg Turkington playing Neil Hamburger. Yeah, being depressed on tour. So it's a guy who's got this act. Yeah, that no one really cares about. It's basically yeah, it's on, basically a guy who has an anti-comedy alt. He's comedy got like act. a weird yeah. alt comedy act, um, but he's playing the only venues he can get are these depressing kind of Mojave Desert. Yeah. bars and pizza a prison at one and, point i believe yeah. at the beginning of the movie it's a prison and he's like with like a teenage yeah juggler. and he's got like he's yeah. got like a clown like this really shitty clown played by ty sheridan who's now famous oh okay that's the who guy, that is he's the guy from ready player one yeah oh okay cool yeah he's he's now kind of made it but he's he's in this movie and he's really good in it by the way because he's well, you think yeah, that all oh, right he's on tour with yeah. this dickhead clown but the, he's not a dick. He's like a nice guy. Yeah. He's just very happy to be. And he, but he's obviously appealing more to people with his shitty clown act than this guy, this like 50 year old guy is. Yeah. With his uh, anti comedy act. And mm. so there's a lot of kind of. Um, there's a lot of tension between the two of them as it goes. And it's a very, again, very slow movie. Like very. 
it doesn't painfully. Sp- yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't speed along. Like let's put yeah. it that way. And there's a lot of you know, there's them checking into motels and I mean, I think I read an interview with Greg Tokenson where he said that the biggest influences were very slow films like Kansas City Bomber, if you ever saw that. Never saw it. It's a really interesting movie from the seventies with um Oh fuck, what's her face? From um from a thousand years BC. What's the f- uh, Raquel Welch? Raquel Welch, yeah, yeah, uh, playing a a roller derby pro, hmm. and it's all about like the the pro leagues of roller derby. And even if you you know you make it to the pros, it's still kind of bleak, and they're just like ending up in these hotels and they're being traded and stuff Sounds like, like a that. Good movie. It's a really good movie. It's not very famous. It's not very it's well known. Kansas City Bombers. Kansas City Bomber. Bomber. Yeah. Okay. Really interesting movie. And yeah, so Greg was saying that that was an influence and you can definitely see that in there because mm. just the, the constant like, oh, well, we're going to this motel now. Yeah. Nothing's happening. And But the the best thing about entertainment is the weird, the surreality of it, which I don't think the comedy does as much. The comedy is surreal in its own way, but entertainment genuinely gets to a point where you're like, okay, what at what point did he stop? being awake you know like did he stop right yeah it's very strange towards the the final third of entertainment is almost like a horror movie it's really well like a david lynch type horror movie i guess which i know is a common thing to compare everything odd to david lynch but in this case it's quite apt the the final third is genuinely like harrowing (laughs) it is harrowing yeah i don't know about you but like to me it's really fucking brutal I would describe the movie in a word as punishing. Yeah, right. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's very good. It's very very good. Um, but boy, it's not easy. I think I've only seen it twice, mm. and it's hard to recommend. Like, not hard to recommend because it's a great movie and you should watch great movies. But like, it's uh, it's, it's not harsh. an enjoyable movie. It's exactly. It's not something I would watch with other people even. Like no. you know, it's, it's not like to, oh, it's uh, best watched alone. If you have a significant other and you're yeah. like, well, we we got this recommendation, entertainment. I wouldn't do it, <laughs> you know, because it is something that really it, it really plays on isolation and the feeling of isolation and the feeling of like, I suppose, yeah. just gonna, be, just feeling yeah. completely out of your element and completely out of your body and like you know, all of your dreams are gone. Like yeah. by the beginning of the movie, your dreams are gone. And it's just a constant. It's like again drawing it to this extreme logical conclusion, which is a pretty interesting conclusion in this movie. The ending scene gives me shivers because it's so fucking grim. <laughs> and okay, and how about this? If you are going to actually do one of these double features or look into one of these directors, if you're in a lighter mood, don't start with these ones. Don't start with the Rick <laughs> Alverson ones. Start with the Sean Baker ones. Sean Tangerine the, is a hilarious yeah. movie. Tanger- Tangerine you'll watch and you'll feel happy at the end of. Tangerine has mainstream appeal. Yeah. And the Florida as, Project. As too. does the Florida Project. Florida Project is generally will, feel good in at some the, parts. At yeah. the end of the Florida Project, you'll still feel pretty like pretty okay. Yeah, you'll feel yeah. fine. And uh and then move down to Joel Petrakis, which I think are he's in the funny, middle. but much darker. They're funny, they're darker, and they're a little bit grim, but yeah. they're also, again, mostly it's kind of absurdly funny. Yes. That's what I would say. But yeah. then Rick Alverson, that's depressing. You're yeah, not going to, you'll you, laugh maybe once per movie. You're playing with the big dogs now. 
Rick Alves. You might just laugh in the same miserable. way where you just like you like laugh because you put your hand on your head and just go like, "What the fuck? This is the most depressing thing." <laughs> like yeah. when something is so overwhelming. I mean, there there are bits in the uh, especially the comedy that I laughed out loud at. Yeah, because they are funny in just how I have a mean spirit they are, or how, uh, yeah, again, kind of absurd they are. And then in entertainment, I probably laughed about half as much. <laughs> There's there are definitely some things. I mean, John C. Riley is in that movie, if you can believe it. John C. Riley, I guess, is a big fan of at least one or two of the people involved. So John C. Riley from Step Brothers is all over entertainment for the first third or so. So he is. Don't, I don't you remember, remember that? it? When? What's he play? He plays his uh, cousin. Oh, that's right. Yes, John that's C. Right. Riley. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, John C. Riley's in it. Uh, Tim Heidecker's in it a bit later. Yeah. Um, Ty Sheridan is now famous for being the star of Ready Player One. Can we say? Which is a cameo in a very unusual scene. From who? Michael Sarah's in it. Oh, Michael Sarah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> what a, is that? That, that seems a creepy scene. Stuck dude. with me, dude. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. How many times have you seen that same? Only twice. Oh, yeah. And it was like pretty much back to back. So it was basically like watching. Yeah, it once. you should watch it again now because yeah. when you know that's all coming up, it makes it a lot weirder. Yeah. It's almost like he's. Anyway, yeah, I, mean, I don't want to go spoil this for the Michael Sarah scene because that's a really weird. It's, it, it's, it seemed like. To, all right. So when I first watched it, and especially when I rewatched it, I was like, they just, you know, he wanted to be involved and they got him in. Yeah. Because, I mean, this would be around the time of Jash, if you remember. Oh yeah. So it was really distracting to me that Tim Heidecker had obviously pulled him in and Yeah. But then watching that scene again, devoid of all of that, you are like, Oh yeah, that's a fucking really weird scene. Yeah. You know, I don't know that I can recommend this director enough to put him on this list, but I really do like uh that guy Sebastian Silva, I think is his name. I don't who know. Directed um a couple movies with Michael Sarah. One was Crystal Fairy. Oh yeah, I haven't seen any of these. So um, well, I, I can't one that he it. directed just real quick. Uh, if if I ever meet my uh, Michael Sarah and I want to impress him, with you'll a deep drop cut, in some of these. Magic Magic is one of the most underrated. Uh, it's it's his it's Michael Sarah's career best performance mm. and the lead, your friend and mine, Juno Temple. It's a career best for her as well. Juno Temple is fucking great. She's man. the lead in it, and he's like basically the kind of co-lead or like the you know, yeah, yeah, almost the antagonist, I guess, if the movie can be said to have one. Okay, and he's terrifying in it, and so weird and so creepy and That's gross. Cool. You've recommended yeah. it before, right? I just never got around it's to really it. Really fucking good. Okay, I mean um, Juno Temple, uh, she was in Atonement. I didn't realize until I rewatched it. Oh hell yeah, I she's thought, the oh, cousin. Her, yeah. Dude, I fucking love. She's Atonement. the Me Too girl, dude. Don't even talk to me about Atonement. About Atonement? Fucking love that movie. Well, uh, you, you know t- what? On, you, this you list told of, me- on this list of obscure directors, check <laughs> Don't out Joe Wright. Joe Wright. <laughs> fucking made The Darkest Hour, one of the most boring movies I ever made. Have you seen saw. his Anna Karenina? <laughs> <laughs> he made that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, a very dull director. but Immersive Anna Karenina. Oh my yeah. God. But at the same time, I did see, I watched Atonement again with, with my wife because she'd never seen it. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I, I I was in a mood for watching like things about old grand English estates and summer and yeah. stuff like that. And I was like, oh, Atonement's got a bit of that yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> so yeah. I watched the I watched it with her, and I was like, yeah, you know, ultimately it's not. I don't want to get into it because I'm trying to say something good about it, but okay, I have a lot of ahead. problems of most of it. But that scene where they land on the Dunkirk beaches, hell yeah, uh, fuck man, that's such a good shot. 
Oh yeah, it's a it's a very long steady cam shot. It's the, the track. You know, uh, James McAvoy and his his buddies have come back mm-hmm. to the to the shore. We were, you know, and every it's just a hell of war. You mm-hmm. know, everyone's dead or drunk or praying, and they're you know they're shooting horses in the head for seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. Now I think of it, I'm like, why? And I remember, because <laughs> again, it's a, I think it's about a five minute. The long. soldier he goes, what is he? He's like, that's not right. Yeah, he goes, oh, that's sh- mean. Yeah, when he sees yeah, him shoot yeah, the horse, yeah. yeah, that's not right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially a very yeah. long, I think, five minute yeah. tracking shot, unbroken tracking shot around yeah. this beach scene, and uh, it's so fucking perfect for what I imagine that kind of situation to be like. Where it's got, you know, like you see people fighting, just fighting each other in the background. You see someone mm-hmm. hanging off a Ferris wheel that they've mm-hmm. erected. Mm-hmm. He's just like dangling off it. And you it's, see there, there are all these people singing in a in a kind of podium. You know, they're yeah. singing hymns. They're singing that. Yeah. Um, I'm often annoyed by tracking shots. Um, I find yeah. them ostentatious and stupid. And often I, they are. A lot of the times I don't think they add much. But that to me is a perfect example of a well used tracking very, shot. Very, very contribu- well used. It's not ostentatious either. Like nope. you don't even realize you don't it's a tracking it, if shot you're not, until if yeah. you're not looking at it with a filmmaking perspective, yeah. you wouldn't even notice that it was that long. I, had to, yeah. I pointed it out to my wife at the end. She yeah. was like, "Oh wow, yeah, that was long." Yeah, <laughs> and like, um, but it really is about the gradual unveiling, and then and then it becomes about the length of the unveiling. Yeah. So like, and like how just how hellish this place is. Yeah. And so like the length of it really does contribute to the mood and the theme of the sh- of the scene and the shot, mm-hmm. which is like um, so different than you know, say like the. I, I don't know. Maybe I. Maybe, well, like maybe Dun- people will Dunkirk disagree. is a great example. I didn't of see Dunkirk. Can- well, it's a perfect example it's, to compare it I mean, to. Yes, that's it is, a, I imagine, right? <laughs> that's a two and a half hour long movie entirely yeah. about the that you know, one the battles. That, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yes, I know, but yeah, it's a two and a half hour movie about it, but it's so sterile and kind of detached. Whereas mm. this movie, where literally the war is a, almost a subplot. Yeah, you know, it's not really the main part of the main crux of this. It's a romance story essentially. Yes. So the fact that he's at war is only one part of it, but this one five minute shot really captures everything about war. Yeah. <laughs> or everything about one side of the war. Yeah. Know? I mean it's almost like the only thing I can compare it to realistically because war movies are often pretty fucking lame. Yeah. Like Saving Private Ryan is, is a very good it. opening. Terrible the rest yeah. of the way through. Like Morkish and Spielberg, you know. Sure. And the the one movie that I rewatched recently, which really does capture that, is um, Paths of Glory, a Stanley Kubrick movie, an early Stan- Stanley Kubrick movie. I've never seen it. Oh god, you got to watch that. I don't know that I've ever seen a Stanley Kubrick movie. You haven't seen The Shining. You haven't. Seen oh no, it? I've okay. seen The Shining. I've seen The Shining. <laughs> you haven't seen Two Thousand One. Nope. Clockwork Orange. Nope. You haven't seen a cl- fucking dude. I got to get you onto that. Yeah, never seen a Stanley Kubrick movie. Never seen a David Lynch movie. Well, you except have seen, for Blue you've Velvet, seen The Shining as well. Um, right, so I've seen one of each. Never seen a Terry Gilliam Sh- movie. You haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut? Nope. Dude, every immersive show will be ruined for you if you see Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> <laughs> They're essentially all taken from that. That or Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive and Eyes Wide Shut. That's yeah. pretty much it, yeah. No, but uh, Paths of Glory is a very, for Stanley Kubrick, very subdued movie. It has a lot of very impressive shots in it, but it's mostly just about how terrible world war one was yeah right and it, the ending of that movie is the only thing i can compare to uh, that scene in the tournament where 
they got every all of these um, allied soldiers, and they're meant to be French, but because it was an American movie, they're all speaking with American accents. Forget about that. But they're you know they're sitting in there, and their entertainment is that they've captured uh, this German girl, you know, uh, the enemy. They've captured a German girl who can apparently sing, and they're like presenting her as entertainment. They're like entertainment. They're like ah, ha, ha. yeah, yeah. Well, she's got some pipes on her. Let me tell you, like, why don't you sing for us? Blah blah blah. They're all leering at her and yelling Jesus. at her. Yeah, and it's very miserable. And then she ju- she starts just singing in German. Very, she's like through tears. She's kind of trying to sing, and they all just slowly stop leering at her. And you just see in their faces, they're all thinking about you know their own country and they're thinking about their own families and they're thinking about their own lives and they're just seeing instead of like the enemy they're just seeing a girl yeah you know who's, who's lost and isn't necessarily on one side or the she's just there and they slowly just drop and it's this very long scene where you're just seeing all these people wow kind of get canceled themselves paths of glory <laughs> huh yeah, it's a great movie i mean the the that's the very ending the main crux of the movie is about uh uh, like kind of a a trial for desertion when it's not desert. I mean, it's it's, it's more like a lo- it's almost like a legal drama more than anything else. But really, really good. There are a lot of movies that I haven't seen, but then I've seen like we just talked at length about like six extremely obscure movies that I have seen. Well, I'll probably cut out. The, it comes to the big boys. I'll probably cut out some of those. But don't fucking cut any of this. <laughs> this is good stuff. Just release it as a I... bonus episode. I could film talk, talk about if you guys want to hear movies forever but I think it's good. I think it's important for people to know that we like some things. Cuz we're always up here shitting on Pendulet <laughs> and whatever. All right. Well, there you go. That's, that's yeah. That's the uh that is the movie chat. That's popcorn chat this week. Depending on how Sean cuts this, you either got a very <laughs> long episode or two episodes in one week, but if you guys enjoy popcorn chat, get ready, my friends. Popcorn it's... chatter on the po- popcorn podcast. Yeah, yeah, if you guys like popcorn chat, and this is a teaser for you as well, Sean. Uh-uh. Next time you see me, which will presumably be next week, I will have seen. I mean, we're talking about, we've been talking about great cinema all night. I will have seen the latest from Ari Aster. Oh, Midsommar. Midsommar. Jesus Christ. The Mids- reviews alone Midsommar. Midsomar. I'll have seen Ari Aster's Midsomar. What, do you have like an invitation or is it just open? Well, I'm just going to go see it. You're just going to go watch <laughs> it's just, it. It's You're going to pay for wide. a ticket and watch it's it. It's out yeah. in wide release. I don't know. Is yeah. it already out? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's at AMC right now. Yeah. As is, by the way, there's another Spider-Man movie. Yeah, another one? Yeah. If you're trying to find a movie to watch this weekend and you're thinking about going, well, the Spider-Man movies are, I better go watch that. Fuck off. Watch... Joel Petrikas movies, watch Rick Alveson movies, or watch um, <laughs> Sean, Baker. Sean Baker movies. Or watch... Uh, the Devils. Or watch The Devils by Ken Russell. Ken Russell's The Devils. Watch that for fuck's sake. Or you can always watch... Pirate Bay. Uh, you can go on Pirate Bay, or uh, just one last plug at the very end, I'll say nothing else. Watch the juggling videos of Michael Motion. All right, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> They're good. He's a contact yeah, juggler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. All right. 